Welcome back to another new episode of the Codings Pro interview series. As always, I'm your host, Ben DuBose. Today, I'm joined by Warren Brand, a key player in the codings industry for quite some time, decades really, and now someone who runs his own consultancy. Warren has also worked with us at Codings Pro quite a bit over the years, so his name should definitely be familiar to many of our readers and listeners. Warren, good morning. How are you? I'm good, Ben. How are you? And thank you for having me on. Yeah, very well. Uh, as always, appreciate you for taking the time. And before we go into some of your new ventures, I think a good place to start would be if you could just give our listeners some background as far as your career in the industry. And for anyone who might not be familiar with Warren Brand, um, what's been your experience over the last few decades? So I started in the coatings industry with a family business, Chicago Tank Lining, and we did industrial uh, tank lining many decades ago. And then in 2010, I left the company and I started um, Chicago Corrosion Group, which is a vendor neutral corrosion mitigation firm. At the time, there really wasn't a model for me to follow. We were competing with large coding companies and going to owners and saying, hey, look, you know, you can go to these large companies and it'll give you a product specification and recommendation, or you can pay me to, to provide an optimal uh, solution. And Initially, it was a hard sell, but once we did a few projects and our credibility kicked in, uh, we did pretty well. In fact, we've worked on some of the most iconic projects in the world, including uh, recently the Green Bank Telescope, which is the largest radio telescope in the world. Um, I've also done combat martial arts for almost about as long, about 30 years, and I'm starting another consulting company called the Alternative Response Method, which Chicago Corrosion Group sort of runs on the alternative response method methodology. It's just people never knew it. It's just a method of thinking and making optimal decisions, and that's what we're working on now. And I want to stress with Chicago Corrosion Group and a lot of your vendor, uh, a lot of your ventures, you tend to be very uh, vendor neutral, correct? Everything we do is vendor neutral, uh, yep. including an ARM, and our motto is pretty simple: do only that which is in the best interest of the client, even if it um, causes us to lose a project or lose a mm -hmm. job. It's a very, very, it sort of comes from the uh, Samurai Bushido, which is their um, their law and their credo that they follow. So it's a pretty simple thing to do every day. So I want to talk but about it, the alternative response method, which is your newest venture, the new consulting company, ARM for short. Let's start by making it relatable to your typical coatings contractor. What is this method? What is the consulting company? And how could it potentially be used and beneficial to one of our listeners? Sure. So I could talk about this for like eight hours. So, you know, shut me down if I, if I <laughs> go sideways. Optimal decisions are relevant everywhere. And when I was a contractor, I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, we did we were involved in doing all the quality control and the inspection on the Calder Flamingo in downtown Chicago. It's this iconic, iconic huge red six-story uh, tall sculpture. And the project was coming to an end and the owner, the federal government, was unhappy with some section of this and the owner was digging in his heels and wasn't gonna send anybody back out to fix it. So one of the concepts within ARM is called tactical leadership. We were not involved in that discourse between the contractor and the owner. 
but we wanted to do what was best for the entire project. So I took it upon myself. Again, this is beyond our scope. Both of those entities were emotionally engaged in making these decisions, and they were both making the wrong decision. And so I called up the contractor and I said, look, I understand how frustrated you are. I used to own my own contracting firm, but you're being offended is not a good business decision, nor is it a good business model to follow. <laughs> right. And I said, again, I used to be a contractor. You can send two guys down there for four hours. It's going to cost you a couple of grand. And then you get paid in full. If you don't do that, they're going to retain 20% and you're going to leave a really bad taste in their mouth rather than coming across as a hero and getting paid on time. And so I was able to talk him down and help him make an optimal business decision, which is separate from his ego and separate from his emotions associated with an optimal decision. And we do that all the time. I call it the binary nature of, of decision making. And there's a whole bunch of like we determine what is um, what, 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 what variables are decisional and what variables are non-decisional. In that case, his emotions and everything were non-decisional. I can give you a, another example if you like. Um, oh, yeah, in terms sure. Of, yeah, anything so that I think illustrates sort of the concrete nature of it, because I think that's where there can sometimes be a disconnect is trying to, you know, take these concepts and make them applicable in the field and to some of the real life decisions. So the real life decisions very often, I'll give you a, another example. We were we were brought in to work on the Crown Fountain, which are these two six story tall fountains in downtown Chicago. Um, it's iconic. It's right off of Michigan Avenue, but we were the smallest part of this puzzle. And from a contractor perspective, even though we weren't the contractor, if I had owned Chicago tank lining you know, like 15 years ago and we were involved, I would have done the same thing. And so what we did and contractors can do this all day long is they can take a role that they're not necessarily assigned to do. So there were six or eight different vendors involved in the project, and it was everything from HVAC systems to lighting to waterproofing to water filtration pumps, just a very, very complicated, um, a lot of different variables. And we were just brought in to look at the waterproofing membrane and the corrosion within the uh, two towers. Interestingly, the, the solution for the corrosion, we decided to dehumidify the space rather than paint, but we can talk mm. about that later if you want to. So the owner was sending out these emails to the various vendors and people were, they're busy. You know, we're all contractors, we're busy. And so people weren't responding promptly. And so what we started to do is we made a Gantt sheet, a Gantt chart, and we took it upon ourselves, even though we were the smallest player in this entire project, and we made our and this is something that contractors should think about we made ourselves indispensable to the project and so we started doing more and more work on our own to coordinate if a vendor wasn't responding to the owner's request i would give them a call hey joe i know you're really busy can i help you get this back to the team to make a long story short they put this out to bid to some of the largest um engineering firms in the country nobody bid on it for a variety of reasons they came back and they tapped us, started out as the smallest player in this to be the lead consultant. And it turned into a multi-year project for us. And the most rewarding thing for this 
was not only was the owner thrilled with the work that we did, I checked in all the time with these vendors who were 10 times, 100 times bigger than us to make sure that we were checking in and we were doing the job properly and if they had any input. Mm-hmm. So from a contractor's perspective, and we used to do this all the time, Chicago Tank Lining was the only firm I've ever heard of to offer 10-year unlimited guarantees on our coating work. So if we did a water tank and within 10 years time you had a blister, we would come back and fix it for free. So contractors can be very astute at listening to what the owners want and taking a little bit more responsibility for an overall project where I think some contractors tend to want to, you know, focus in only on their portion of it. And I had issues with, with, inspectors too you know we get an inspector out on a job i'm an ace three and a uh, pcs i had a lot of issues with this years ago where you'd have an inspector on a site who's just supposed to be monitoring things and he sees something where he could add value to the overall project and i've talked to dozens of inspectors who said oh i'm not going to tell them how to do it better that's not my job part of what arm does and ccg does is this element of And it sounds silly, but there's a place for kindness within business, doing the right thing for the overall benefit of the project. And so I think contractors, if they were more focused on the overall benefit of the project, that might benefit them. And also, like I said earlier, being a contractor is tough, tough work. And we can get upset and we can get emotionally engaged. Every time we get emotionally engaged, our ability to intellectually process information and our ability to make good decisions declines. Mm -hmm. And let me just give you a quick example. I went, um, I was talking to a Delta operator who did multiple um, tours in Iraq and Afghanistan and we went shooting together. And we were talking about, you know, somebody who can shoot at a paper target, that's fine. But then when they get into combat, that ability drops substantially. When a contractor is in a situation and the owner is mad and people are starting to get upset, we have a thing within ARM called capacity. If the contractor can find a way to stay calm, he'll be able to like almost magically direct the nature of the entire conversation towards his benefit. And, and again, within ARM, there's this idea of calm is, in, is contagious. So we're working on a, on a fountain in, in Pittsburgh and it was a very complicated um, situation. There was staining on this beautiful granite. And we were into it for like six weeks. And then there was different information. And the owner got online. And he was very upset and very frustrated. And I took the lead. And I talked very slowly and calmly. And I said, look, we had, and contractors can do this every day, right, when there's a conflict. You know, hey, I understand that this is really frustrating. I talked very slowly and calmly calmly and respectfully. And I said, the facts that we have today were different than the facts that we had six weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And the last thing before I'm done rambling is when I was a contractor, when there was a failure or there was a challenge, our opportunity to respond to that well, locked in our, the likelihood of us working for that client again. So when we have a, when we had a conflict or something went bad, I view that as an opportunity to really shine and lock in that um, client for the long term. Because if we respond well, when there's a problem, they're going to be more inclined to want to work with us again. Mm-hmm. 
one of the things that really resonated with me looking at some of the ARM background, and for those listening, we will link this in the episode description if you want a little bit more. There's a few slides that go into greater detail about some of the offerings within the method and how it can help you. But one thing that really resonated with me within the tools of ARM was about the, the self-coaching and the self-talk because I feel like a lot of these types of uh, programs, even if it's unfair, a lot of people listening might think it's just another, you know, sort of vague system to pump them up as opposed to anything specific and concrete that can give them tools for a very specific on the job situation that they need to overcome. And one of the things as far as the self coaching from your system, you talk about how specifically it's not generalized jargon. It's highly specific notions that have worked for you in the past and examples could be quotes, could be visualization, could be phrases, could be thinking strategically, it could be um, time management. So when we talk about the self-coaching, explain if you could to those listening how it's not just simply, you know, a general raw, raw, you can do it, but the way you've set up this ARM system and at least the tools of it is to be something that is scalable to very concrete situations. Well, not literally concrete. It can certainly be different types of jobs for our contractors too but could, something that can work for very specific situations out in the field. Absolutely, and I'm glad you brought that up because that's a big one. A ARM, the only reason I wrote the book and I started the consulting company was to make sure that it was implementable. The book is a textbook. It's a well-written textbook with lots of great stories. And so you're right. The self-coaching within ARM, we have something called a flip chart, which is kind of like, if you see a military guy all decked out with all the stuff on his on his body, you know, or a police officer or Batman's utility belt, that is a flip chart. And everybody develops their own idiosyncratic tools for self-coaching. So you had, could have 100 people, and each one is going to have different self-coaching quotes or music or things they tell themselves, and it's going to be different for each one. The fundamental thing takeaway is self-coaching works. And it's how we self-coach that makes a difference. So I'll give you a real-world example. I have a bunch of them. But my daughter was a uh, Division One soccer player. She was a very, very good soccer player. Mm. And for years, she would get off the soccer, soccer pitch, and she would be upset, and she'd be mad at herself. And finally, she let me coach her when she was in high school. And I said, let's talk about self-coaching. And, and we talked about it. It was a process. And her coach who'd been coaching for 40 years, came to me, took me aside, and he said, I've never in my career had my best player be my most improved player. And it was all because of the work we did on finding those self-coaching tips that spoke specifically to her. Mm -hmm. I don't like these other programs that say, you have to meditate, you have to listen to music, you gotta make your bed in the morning. Everybody's different. And so on the self-coaching template, or the flip chart, everybody listening to this or reading the book, you have to find things that work for you because they're out there. And, you know, I listen to people all the time and they self-coach themselves. Well, very often they're like deprecating, oh, I'm not good at this. Or sometimes you get people who are like, oh, I'm a, I got this. I know exactly what I'm doing. And those are that bad self-coaching. That's not how, that's not moving you in the optimal direction. And so 
every tool within ARM is specific to the person. So when we do these workshops, and we'll be doing it, I, I think it's to 10 people, at the end of that workshop, the documents they take away are gonna be different from each other. And they're gonna be populated with those quotes or self-coaching or benchmarking tools that work specifically for them. And they can't help it. Once you start to learn this stuff, you can't unthink it. And if you learn how to make better decisions in the boardroom or while you're abrasive blasting or while you're coding or quoting a job, it's gonna translate into how you parent and how you road rage. You won't road rage anymore because you're you're embracing these things. Sure. And they're all specific to you. I'm not asking anybody to drink my Kool-Aid. Just look at the framework and you fill in the blanks that work for you. Mm -hmm. Speaking of soccer, that's somewhat of a natural segue to, I, I know, a very prominent case study using ARM in recent months. We were talking about this offline before we started recording. Um, but there were 13 young soccer players that were trapped in a cave in Thailand back in 2018, I believe. Is that right? Correct. And I know ARM has actually had a role in that. It doesn't make sense for me to tell the story when certainly it's your business. So if you could explain how ARM has started playing a role in that. And I know this isn't exactly the codings industry, but it's a very high profile example, I think, of ARM's benefits. Well, sure. I'm glad you brought that up because it's ridiculously exciting. Um, I had heard about the rescue and I followed it very closely from a lot of different perspectives. I'm a scuba diver, written confined training programs. We used to cut open gasoline tanks for a living. And I watched the documentary, The Rescue, which is on Disney Plus and it's uh, National Geographic. Mm -hmm. I must have watched it in times. And the guy who was in charge of the rescue is a guy named, of course, PJ, a pararescuer named Derek Anderson. And I um, messaged him on LinkedIn. I sent him my book. He read the second time. And he and I have been talking and collaborating extensively about this. And he and I are going to be working together. Arm wasn't there at the time. But what Derek sees and a lot of other military people I've talked to, a lot of other people make excellent decisions. For the first time, Derek, Derek didn't have a voice on how to teach these optimal decision makings. But oh, he's like, oh my gosh, I was benchmarking. Oh my gosh, I was taking my ego out of it. Oh my gosh, I was doing tactical leadership. He was finding a vocabulary within ARM that he sort of used organically. Hmm. And when I talked to a lot of people who were exceptionally good at decision-making, and I said, oh, you know, what you did, that is, that is a non-decisional variable. And so what's incredibly powerful is that, I, I encourage your listeners and readers to go watch the movie. There's also a Netflix movie coming out. It's the most incredible story that, the details of which are unimaginable, but the fact that Derek, who made this incredible and his whole life is making good decisions, found value in the pages of ARM was incredibly supportive that the methodology, the alternative response method methodology really is of value to everyone, which is a really bold statement. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not just my opinion anymore. It's like everybody who sort of reads it and digs into it says, oh my gosh, there's a lot of stuff here that I can benefit from. Mm -hmm. And I, let me just tell you like one point in the, and Derek is thinking about writing a book, the name of which is what, what, what if, uh, what is possible? 
the details of the were crap in this cave. There was no way to get them safe, and he had gotten together this team of the best divers in the world, and they all said, "There's this is impossible." This and Derek stopped. He was calm. He was cool. I understand it's impossible, but what would the possible look like? And it changed the entire direction of of that leadership role. Changed the entire direction, and it opened up everybody's mindset to okay, what can we do now? What's the next step? And the element of, of, of ARM is there's always an optimal path forward. I have a close friend of mine, unfortunately, his friend is dying, right? And she called me up and I'm like, she's really struggling. I said to her, I said, there's always an optimal path forward, even if it's somebody who's on hospice. And that's the most important thing for ARM is teaching people everything else within ARM are these tools to teach each one of us how to make optimal decisions regardless of the chaos and if you watch the the uh, movie the chaos is if it was fiction you wouldn't believe it let me put it that way if somebody wrote this as a you wouldn't believe it as it would have been ridiculous did that answer your question i, I think i read yeah. on a little bit yeah i think so um <laughs> For anybody that's got more questions, uh, I know we've done an overview of this for the last 20 minutes or so, but what's the best way that they can learn more or potentially reach out to you about it? So you, you can buy the book and you, the the book, I have to say, it's, it's very well written now. The first book was over 450 pages. Thanks to a team and publishers, it's, it's half that. And it's well written. Uh, when it first came out, it was an Amazon bestseller. So you can buy the book on Amazon. Um, or you can, uh, it's also an audible. And if anybody wants to, we're happy to do, you know, an hour long PowerPoint presentation to individuals or teams, and you can hire us for ARM implementation services. Mm. And there's so many different flavors of it. You know, we can improve human resources. We can, we can improve. It's kind of like a flashlight anywhere you shine ARM, you're going to learn how to make better decisions. And the other great thing about ARM is it doesn't require ongoing support. If you take an ARM webinar or a workshop, you don't really need to talk to us again. You've learned how to implement them. You're beyond an ARM, you know, hire us for, you know, six years. It's, it's a month, it's months, it's five days, and you're good to go. You're off to the races and you really don't need any additional support. But the easiest way is the book or the audio book or uh, shoot me an email call. Before we sign off, I do want to ask you about some of your corrosion industry work specifically. I know recently you guys just completed your portion of work for the largest movable structure on Earth, the Green Bank Telescope, which is the largest radio telescope, correct? Yes. So what was that like? What were some of the lessons learned, if any, from the work that you guys just got done on that project? an unbelievable project ever shut it down and they shut it down for me uh, and then as soon as we got off they started to move it which is just an astounding to see but there were two contractors two consultants involved one was going to do blast and paint blast it all off and repaint it which is the logistics there are unimaginably difficult it's humid it's rainy all the time when the work was originally done nine percent of it was shot off our path to overcoat the existing paint system. And that was right up ARM's alley and CCG's alley because it was just simply 
what variables matter, what are what, what are decision variables and what are not, and back with some alternatives. And I told them from when we started, you know, we're going to go down this path, but it may be the case that blasting and painting is the best solution. And we came up with things that we thought would do the job. One was a, a high ratio calcium, um, high ratio copolymerized calcium sulfonate. Um, a single, another one was, uh, I forget the name, a single And they were flexible and they didn't impart any um, surface adhesion to the existing coating system. And there were lots of different coating systems. Um, they ended up going with a blast and coat system for reasons and a lot of other reasons. And I supported it because if they get a good blast and coat system in there, they should be good for 30 or 40 years, where if they did our direction, there was almost certainly going to be some requirement for maintenance. And then we, it was interesting. We even started to talk about the evolution of drone inspection services and the evolution of drone paint application. Because if they have something 450 feet in the air and it needs a touch up, can you send up a drone, you know, clean it off and coat it? Even though they didn't go with our proposal, I was on board with the fact that a better solution was blasting and coating it. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. And I guess it worked out successfully for them. This is a multi-year project. They have just yeah. started. Um, it, it can get very, very detailed, but they had these saddles in place and the saddles were showing corrosion issues and, and mm. there's an interspace between the shadow. Mo most of it were um, pipe beams and they were, they were very good engineers. They were using uh, volatile corrosion inhibitors where they were taking this powder and putting it into the space. For those of you who don't know what VCIs are, they're these powders and they um, evaporate. The evaporative vapor attaches to corrosion resistant layer onto them. It's a very, very ancient technology. It's over 100 years, but it's being used more and more in a lot of different circumstances, paint bottoms where you can't get to. So technically, it was very, very interesting. But the implementation, I don't know if they're going to try to do this piecemeal. If it were up to me, I think the only way to do it is tent the whole thing and then condition the whole structure. It has to cost, you know, it's going to cost 20, 30 million dollars. It's a monumental undertaking, no matter which way. Yeah, it makes sense. Warren, for anyone who has further inquiries for you or the ARM method, I know you mentioned earlier, just remind our listeners one more time how they can uh, find out more information on the website. Sure, you can go to, well, Chicago Group, that's my website. The Alternative Response Method uh, is another website, and you can contact me at uh, warren at armmethod.com or warren at chicagocorrosiongroup.com. You can call me, 847-738-9907. And my book, if you go to Amazon and, and punch in Warren Brand, it'll, it'll pop up. Sounds good. Folks, that's where we will leave things on today's episode. And if you want more information on our end of things, of course, you can check out the AMP website at ampp.org. And you can also visit coatingspromag.com for all sorts of news related to protective coatings. With that, we'll sign off. For Warren Brand, I'm Ben DuBose. Thanks as always for listening, and please come back soon for another new podcast from the Coatings Pro interview series.